For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silent, not praised. Welcome to a brand new edition, a post-State of the Union edition of Over the Line. Thank you so much for being here. Trying to get my volume right over here. Make sure I'm not too loud, not too quiet. It's complicated. Stuff is complicated. It is... Wednesday, February the 6th, 2019, and we just witnessed one of the best, if not the best, State of the Union speeches we've ever seen. One of the best. It was amazing, and I think what was shocking to most people was the fact that uh, CBS put up an approval poll last night immediately after the speech saying the 76% of people approve of Donald Trump's State of the Union speech. I don't think any of us saw that coming. We're so used to these these polls just trashing Trump over and over. Have not seen any sort of approval rating from this morning, and you can only take so much from those... Uh, those polls that come immediately after a uh, a speech or an event like that, but take it for uh for what it's worth. Seventy six percent approve of that speech. Man, we got a lot to talk about on that front, so we're gonna get to it and uh, make it happen. I'm excited. I'm very excited uh, because. As I said yesterday, there was going to be a lot outside of the speech that was worth watching last night. Uh, the the circus, if you will, 
of what was happening outside of the chambers, outside of the House, inside of the House, what's happening behind Donald Trump, what are the guests doing, why is the Trump kid asleep, all kinds of things going on. It did not disappoint. was good. Good stuff. Before we get into it, let me remind you about Nick the Marketer, nickthemarketer.com, proud supporter of this show, and we could not be happier to to have him with us. And I want to tell you the one one thing I told you yesterday, the coolest thing about what these guys do is they own their own software. They built their own software that helps track what uh, helps track who comes to your website. I forgot what I was trying to say. What this software does is it tracks who sees, comes to your website, clicks on your website, who calls you because they went to the, to your website. All the data that you need to see how successful your website is, they've got their very own software. And it's not some software they bought from some big company or whatever. They built it themselves. So they're able to track every little detail pertaining to your digital footprint. But the best part of it, is you've got the ability to log into that same software and see the exact same things that the Nick the Marketer team sees. So if you want to go on any random day and say, man, I wonder what my numbers look like on my website last month or last week or yesterday, you can go and you can look. And it breaks it down in very fine detail of, Who's click a, who visited you from, from where, how many things they clicked on, what were they looking at, how, who called you because they went to your website, uh, how many times it was searched for, whatever. It's all there. It's amazing stuff. So make sure if you've got a need for a website, if you're looking to improve your digital footprint, whether that's on a traditional website or it's on social media, these guys do it all. And what they do is they turn clicks into customers. NickTheMarketer.com. 205-610-9550. 205-610-9550. Whatever you do, though, when you get in touch with them, make sure you tell them you heard them right here on Over the Line, and those guys are going to take care of you. Nick is uh, a dear friend of mine, and uh, I know he does a good job. I've watched him. I've watched him do a good job. He's amazing at it. All right, overthelineshow.com. The front page of Drudge Report today, so any of us that do uh, conservative talk, news talk, whatever, the first thing we do every day is we go to DrudgeReport.com, and we see what that very first link is. You see what it says, because it sets the tone for really what's going on in the news that day. And it says, Trump rocks house. We will never be... A socialist country, Bernie Scowls, <laughs> and CBS poll, 76% uh, percent approve of speech. And, of course, uh, Donald Trump uh, retweeted a screenshot of uh, the front page of Drudge last night. This says, call for unity, Trump approval at 48%, uh, Teflon Don. <laughs> that was actually before the speech. The 48% was the overall approval rating of the job he's doing or whatever. But uh, it was an amazing speech. Absolutely amazing. And I did a little Facebook Live video last night. Uh, I really didn't plan on doing it until the last minute. And I'm like, meh, I get on there. 
and talk about it a little bit. And I'm trying to watch the Democrats' response, which was while I was doing that video. Uh, so I didn't really talk about that much. Speaking of the Democrats' response, you saw Stacey Abrams, who came out and gave the the same old talking points that the Democrats always do. Um, Trump locks babies in cages and blah, 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 all that jazz. I, I was watching this morning on, uh, what was it? It was the morning show on CNN, New Day or whatever. And they brought on Chuck Schumer to talk about what he thought of the speech last night. And, and keep in mind, you saw some very... Uh, I, I don't know, lighthearted moments, I guess, would be the term. Not lighthearted, but some, some moments of almost kind of sort of unity. I think that's the appropriate term. Almost kind of sort of unity where Democrats were applauding things that the, 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 the president was saying. You're like, well, what is this? What in the world's going on here? And so he thought maybe that 76% CBS approval poll actually reflects reality, not only in the public, but maybe in Congress as well? Well, let's go to Chuck Schumer from this morning on CNN when he was not only asked about the speech last night, but asked to say something nice about last night's speech. Senator from New York, the Senate Minority Leader is here with us. Senator, thank you so much for being with us. Before we get to the president's words about you, which happened before the speech, Let's talk about the speech itself. For you, if you were looking for something nice to say about it, what would you say? Well, I would say there's very little nice to say about it. In the, It's sort of like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Well, that didn't last long at all. Um, and he, the em excitement, enthusiasm was all in the Mr. Hyde parts. I think Stacey Abrams showed the president what real leadership was last night. She was thoughtful, she was caring. She talked about her family and the American dream is fading out of reach for too many American families. Nothing screams leadership like a recently failed gubernatorial candidate that really lost the election because pictures surfaced of her burning her own state flag. Families. And the president was political. That's leadership. Divisive, uh, calculating, even nasty at times. You know, you can't sit, talk about comedy and working together and give a speech that is so divisive that just does comedy is that a word comedy fly so in the areas where he tried to reach out you know um drug prices uh transportation infrastructure uh, there was no meat there was no enthusiasm all the enthusiasm was for the divisive parts like uh immigration abortion things like that so it was not a good speech. The president's hurting. Jeez. He knows he's hurting, but he doesn't seem able to dig himself out of the hole and give a truly bipartisan speech and start working with us. We want to work with him. Now, here's what you saw last night. Uh, the, the moments that we saw Democrats applauding things that Trump was saying, you heard when he brought up um, the women's unemployment, which was surprising because Democrats usually cringe when the unemployment thing's brought up. Uh, also, when Donald Trump talked about uh, a record number of women being in Congress, uh, they were loving that. 
And even they, they kind of acknowledged each other back and forth. He's like, you're going to love this. Just wait for it. And they applauded. And it showed for, I think, the first time since Donald Trump became president, and this is not his fault, at least if, it, if any of it is his fault, I feel like it's a small percentage. For the first time in his presidency, you saw the Democrats acting like decent human beings and treating Donald Trump like a fellow human being. And they almost seem to have a warm moment. But let's not kid ourselves. All that was last night was the Democrats, for a brief moment, breaking character. Because all of this is, all this is one big charade. It's one big act. As you see Chuck Schumer there, uh, he completely ignored what happened last night in those, those brief moments. They were brief, but they happened. He completely ignores them. Says there's nothing he said that was that was good. The only thing that uh, got any excitement out of the room was when he talked about the divisive things. When he talked about the things like human trafficking and illegal immigration, so divisive. Protecting Americans, so divisive. And then he goes to the abortion issue, which oh oh, this was so great. This is when I tweeted at him last night, and I said, God, I love you. He starts talking about the abortion issue and brings up Ralph Northam, somebody that we've talked about for a week straight, and said, can you believe this guy? He gets on a radio program and has the audacity to say, it's okay if we abort a baby after it's born. And he just called it out. And, of course, there were Democrats shaking their head, people with frowns on their face. But that's to be expected. What was not expected was some of the clapping and stuff. And, and people pointed out that Nancy Pelosi was clapping uh, behind Trump for certain things that nobody would really expect her to clap for. But I think we probably don't need to give her credit. I think she was just confused. But don't take it from the Democrats. Don't take it from Chuck Schumer on what the real mood or the real uh, analysis of the State of the Union speech was last night. Look at the reporters. Okay, Now, if the reporters are being fair to Donald Trump and the Democrats, if they're being fair to both, and this goes for both sides, then you know that there was some sort of unity in there. I was watching John Roberts' tweet last night during the State of the Union, and just when all that applause goes on, he says, he tweets out, well, that was an interesting series of moments. He tweets out, Speaker Pelosi politely claps, real Donald Trump proclaims, America will never be a socialist country. Nancy Pelosi clapped for that. He said, there were clearly differences of opinion on some issues, but I've not seen a State of the Union in recent years when the opposition applauded to the degree it did tonight, which is big when you think in terms of this being the most divided uh, political 
realm that we've seen in recent history, in our lifetimes. We've never seen Washington as divided. And I think Washington is probably more divided than we are here in America. Yeah, we got French people that uh, they think it's the 1950s and 60s, and they attack people for the hat they wear or who they love or what they believe in or the color of their skin. Not matching up with their political beliefs. But I think all in all, Americans really see eye to eye. I meet a lot of people on a regular basis. And I've met some real left-wing Looney Tunes that uh, I was able to have a discussion with. Now, I don't come out and get full-blown uh, political and start throwing my opinion out like I do here. But I talk to them in a, in a, a calm respectful manner, if you will. And no matter what somebody's political beliefs are, they're just, everybody's looking for the same thing. Everybody's looking for just a better life, to, to protect their family, to, 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 to make the, the best life they can possibly make for their family, to chase the American dream. It's what everybody's looking for. But yet, it's not that way in Washington, D.C. And what's happening in Washington, D.C. does not reflect what's actually going on in America. For instance, I had this uh, this one chick from, where was she from? Like Baltimore or something. Uh, she was in town, needed a ride, so I pick her up. I'm doing the Uber thing, right? And um, I'm taking her to the airport. And she is obviously super left-wing, and she is expressing severe concern about being in Alabama and it being so ultra-conservative. And she's expressing this fear in the sense that she's afraid that someone, once they find out she's a liberal, that they may attack her, physically assault her in some fashion. And she's nervous about that. <laughs> now, those are the kind of things that are that, that are perpetrated by some people, but it's always on the other side. But those things are put in people's heads by those in Washington, by those in New York in their plush TV studios. But if somebody was able to talk sense into that woman, and I, I just let her go and uh, let her think that for the rest of the day. I'm like, yeah, you got to watch out for those Trump supporters. They'll take you out back and just beat the crap out of you. If someone could explain to her that that's not really how things are, we would all be back on the same page. Looking for the same thing, being concerned with the same thing, the American dream, doing what's best for your family, so on and so forth. But Washington and the media, they don't want that. Going back to John Roberts' tweets, um... He said, well, I can honestly say I've never heard happy birthday sung at the State of the Union. What else? He said, Trump was wise to accept the postponement and give the State of the Union in Congress, in the House of Representatives. I agree with that 100%. 100%. I think it was a good move. Now, I, like many of you, wanted Donald Trump just to uh, buck the system 
because we get in these in these moods where we just want to uh, come out swinging. And we don't want to take no for an answer. We want to get what we want, and we're tired of being pushed around by Democrats. That's fine. That's okay. Um, but Donald Trump made a smart move by accepting the fact that Nancy Pelosi was not going to invite him to do the State of the Union and not doing it somewhere else. At the time, I didn't think it was a good idea. But now, in retrospect, and seeing what I saw last night, it was absolutely the right move to make. And he knocked it out of the park because of it. What else from uh, reporters? Uh, biggest applause line of the speech, blah, 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 blah. The president and his speechwriters have accomplished something remarkable here tonight. This is uh, Jonathan Carl, chief White House correspondent for ABC News. He said, the president and his speechwriters have accomplished something remarkable here tonight. He said, striking several themes that have drawn applause from both sides of the chamber. That is not unusual for a State of the Union, but it is unusual for this president. Hey, he pulled it off. And it was absolutely Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Uh, what else, uh, as far as the State of the Union go? Democrats, obviously, dressed in white. You've seen those memes floating around the Internet, dressing like the KKK. You know, they did that last year. Um, and I don't know, was it an official State of the Union last year? I think it was. What was it, 18, 17? It was either 2017 or 2018. They didn't have an official State of the Union, but they just did like a some sort of speech, which it was the same thing. It just wasn't called State of the Union. But I think it was last year that the Democrats did the same thing in protest or whatever they want to call it. They dressed in all white. And last year we said the same thing. We're like, man, Democrat Party getting back to the roots, dressing in all white like the Klan. It was probably. A bad idea to do that again, not not only because you were going to get mocked, because people remember it from last year, but also, um, I mean, the party is inflamed in a racism scandal at the moment. They've literally got a governor in their party that is pictured in either a Klan outfit or blackface. And he's not stepping down. So why give anybody else the opportunity to capitalize on calling you a racist? So maybe they just can't help it. Maybe they can't help it. I don't know. I thought it was fantastic, though. I'm glad they did it. I love uh, being able to uh, to mock those guys. Uh, the guest for President Trump, as you saw... I think was also one of the highlights. He did that last time. He had some pretty amazing guests with some amazing stories. But he did the same thing tonight. And we broke it down on the show yesterday about who these people are and what their stories are. So I won't do that again. But uh, as he went through and told some of these stories, the little girl with brain cancer, uh, the, the, the guy that got out of jail because of the uh, the justice reform bill that uh, Donald Trump signed. First step, I believe it's called. Uh, a guy that 
was in jail far too long, turned his life around, and is now a free man. Same thing with uh, the lady that Kim Kardashian convinced Trump to release from prison. She was there. Uh, a Border Patrol agent was there as well. Also, the father uh, of, uh, of a man, of a serviceman who was, who was killed in action back in 2001. And I'm just naming these off the top of my head, so I'm going to miss a couple. But hearing those stories and seeing those people stand up and, and get emotional, really, was absolutely amazing. But one of the best part was uh, the, the kid whose last name was Trump, the pictures of him falling asleep during the speech. Which, hey, it was a long speech. It's late. The kids got to go to school tomorrow. I get it. I get it. Cut the kids some slack. Although I do think, I mean, if we're being real, I, I do think that might have been a bad idea for the news media to, to like, put that picture up on the screen this morning, like, after the fact, and have a discussion about it, even though it was a short discussion. Because the reason the kid was there is because he was getting picked on. Well, now you got pictures of him sleeping in, in the middle of a president's speech. Now he's going to get picked on at school again. I just think it was a bad idea. It's funny. It's technically news. But he's probably going to get picked on again for it. And that's not good. We're trying to keep him from being picked on. Jeez Louise. Uh, all right, so we'll t we'll talk more about the State of the Union speech as we go, but we're also, today, we need to talk about something that came out right before the State of the Union speech, uh, and it came out right before on purpose. The Washington Post apparently got their hands on a um, bar registration from Elizabeth Warren where she identified herself as Native American. Now, it was no accident that that was released right before the State of the Union by the Washington Post, who obviously is not in the business of making Pocahontas look bad. But it came out at that time, so it could be covered up. It could be buried by the news of the State of the Union. So it shows Pocahontas for decades now claiming she was Native American and trying to benefit from it, y'all. It's good stuff. We'll talk about that and plenty more on this edition of Over the Line. Remember, overthelineshow.com. Sign up for the newsletter at the bottom of the page and go like us on all the social medias and stuff. Andrew at overthelineshow.com is the email. If you want to get in touch, that's the way to do it. And... At Andrew McLean, who on Twitter, on the Twitters, make sure you hook that up. Wednesday edition, February 6, 2019. Y'all hang tight.
Show.com. Wednesday edition. I want to do this real quick. I, I want to play. I want to play the audio of Trump recognizing this 10-year-old cancer survivor. Because it's such an amazing story. A story of a kid who spent her time, her birthdays, asking her friends to donate money to St. Jude's. Only to, later in life, have to rely on St. Jude's herself. As she came down with, with brain cancer. So take a listen to this. Last night. Well, let me try to get you the audio in the uh, appropriate way so you can hear it. That would be important, right? <laughs> I'm just screwing everything up. All right, here we go. Last night, State of the Union. Trump acknowledges the uh, one of his own guests, 10-year-old cancer survivor. Joining Melania in the gallery this evening is a very brave 10-year-old girl, Grace Eline. Every birthday. Hi, Grace. Every birthday. Since she was four, Grace asked her friends to donate to St. Jude's Children's Hospital. She did not know that one day she might be a patient herself. That's what happened. Last year, Grace was diagnosed with brain cancer. Immediately, she began radiation treatment. At the same time, she rallied her community and raised more than $40,000 for the fight against cancer. Her doctors and nurses cheered. They loved her. They still love her with tears in their eyes as she hung up a poster that read, Last Day of Chemo. Thank you very much, Grace. You are a great inspiration to everyone in this room. Thank you very much. Now, this is um, this is not these guys are not uh, a matter of uh, what would you call political expediency, or it's not a matter of uh, making yourself look good or trying to make your opponents look bad. What this is is epitomizing and, and really putting on display the the fight of your average Americans. 
the inspirational stories of your average Americans, because I know most of you guys, if not all of you guys that are listening, you guys have inspirational stories yourself. Some big, some small. But something in your life has happened uh, that you eventually overcame because now you're still here. We all have some sort of inspirational story. And that what's, that's what makes America, America. That's what makes this country so great. But yet some there in the, uh, at the State of the Union speech do not want to acknowledge that. Acknowledge the amazing stories uh, that we heard because it might give Trump credit. Just like last night on CNN, um, they scrambled to find anything and everything they could criticize about this president's State of the Union speech. For instance, uh, immediately after the State of the Union speech, uh, you've got a panel of Van Jones, uh, John King, and some others that are breaking this thing down. And I just want you to hear the tone of these guys reacting to what they just heard. Not just the policy speech, but the speeches of of that little girl and every other guest that they brought, the speeches of uh, of of what's happening in this country and how important it is for us to fix it. This is what they had to say about it, right here. John, we haven't heard from you on it. Just a couple of things. One, back to the Stacey Abrams speech. That's a very difficult job. Uh, that's the best response Democrat or Republican mm-hmm. I can remember in yeah. some years. It's a very difficult job. It's a thankless job. Uh, but it also you learn about the differences between the two parties. She talked about voting rights. She talked about climate change. And she talked about guns. We did not hear any of those no. subjects from the president of the United States. Democrats believe that animates their coalition. They believe it helps them. And they believe, especially on the issue of climate change, uh, especially on the issue of voting rights, it helps them to talk about things the president won't talk about. Um, you can shrug all you want. I mean, there's not, they're not, the, the Republicans it, uh, don't support any of those things. Why would you talk about Well, it? all Americans should want our we president. Whatever the disagreements rights. are, uh, just look at his own national security review. Uh, every leader, whatever your party, should be talking about climate change. It's just, well, you well, could have a debate about what to do about it. But he's the, that the president of the United States at this moment in the world did mm-hmm. not mention climate change in even a sentence is just, frankly, a disgrace. Any president, Democrat or Republican. It's a disgrace. A disgrace that Donald Trump did not mention climate change or gun control. Disgrace. Disgraceful. But Stacey Abrams, on the other hand, wow, what a speech. What an amazing speech. She talked about climate change, and she talked about gun control and the important issues like uh, suppression of, of voters, voters' rights, taking away the rights of the American voter. The fact that people are still listening and not calling out Democrats when they talk about this voter suppression bullcrap is amazing to me. Because their idea of what voter suppression is is completely and utterly racist. They say voter suppression is 
forcing people to have some sort of identification to prove they're an American citizen so they can vote. Their argument is it's hard for black people to get an ID. It's hard for people to get, uh, for African Americans to even get a free, you know, photo government-issued ID, not a driver's license or anything. It's just some sort of ID that they can prove their identity at the polling place. Democrats think uh, African Americans can't do that. Like, they're less than. They're not, they don't have the ability. They don't have enough brain power or will or desire to, to go out and get, a, get an ID, to get, a, get some sort of identification to prove who they are when they show up at the polling place. Now imagine, imagine you walk up to any any black person on the street and you say, man, I'm really, really sorry that, uh, you know, you were born inferior and you're not able to, to go get an ID. I'm really sorry about that. What do you think they're going to say to you? What are they going to say if you tell them that they, they don't have the ability to go get an ID? Probably going to slap you across the face. That's racist. Claiming voter suppression is a real thing is racist. It's racism. So Stacey Abrams, who dressed like a character from The Handmaid's Tale last night, is in fact racist. She also claimed, and this was amazing to me, she claimed that uh, uh, the tax bill that was passed by the Trump administration, Paul Ryan and whoever else, that the tax bill caused layoffs. And that is hilarious to me. Here's what she said. The, uh, let's see if I got audio of it. No, I don't. I'll just quote it for you. The Republican tax bill rigged the system against working people. Rather than bringing back jobs, plants are closing, layoffs are looming, and wages struggle to keep pace with the actual cost of living. That actually came out of her mouth. But in reality, the number of people filing for unemployment benefits for the first time, which, as you know, uh, reflects layoffs in this country, is at a five-decade low as of last month, and has been low ever since the taxes were cut. This country creates and created an average of 223,000 jobs in 2018 more than twice as many as it would need to create to keep up with the population growth. So over the last three months, it's averaged 241,000 new jobs created. And wages are not struggling to keep up with the pace of inflation, much to the surprise of many uh, economists. Inflation has remained tame despite a very low unemployment. In fact, inflation has actually weakened in recent months while the wage growth has kept ticking up. Wages are now easily beating inflation. 
But Stacey Abrams has the audacity to come out and say that that tax bill that Donald Trump keeps bragging about is causing people to get laid off. It's causing people to lose their jobs. What a joke. What a joke. But nonetheless, that's uh, kind of the long and short of the uh, State of the Union speech last night. Uh, I, I'm, I'm continuing to watch for reaction uh, on that front to see if anybody else comes out and speaks about the State of the Union. But I haven't seen anything uh, this morning that really is, is worth bringing to you guys. Uh, I'm watching Nancy Pelosi speak now, and she's on her high horse about gun control. She's not speaking. She's tweeting. Uh, Under Republican control, the House didn't hold a single hearing on gun violence prevention. That streak ends with today's hearing in the House Judiciary Committee. Apparently, the House is holding the first hearing on gun violence in nearly a decade. Lawmakers will debate the number of new gun safety bills. Nearly 40,000 Americans died from gun violence in 2017, marking a 40-year high. It's easy to say that 40,000 Americans died from gun violence in a single year and not actually discuss what that means. Like gun violence and the cops had to shoot somebody who was trying to shoot them or you've got people shooting each other in the streets with guns according to the law they shouldn't be owning or what what are you talking about need some details before you act like that's uh that's all we need to know is that 40,000 people were shot and killed in 2017 Just saying. Just saying. Also, a press release this morning. Trump is going to hold the first rally of 2019 in El Paso next week. It's scheduled for Monday, this this coming Monday. And uh, it's going to be right there on the border. And it was the part of the U.S.-Mexico border that was referenced by Trump last night in his address as he's uh, making the case for the border wall. He said the border in the border city of El Paso, Texas, used to have extremely high rates of violent crime, one of the highest in the country, and considered one of our nation's most dangerous cities. Now... With a powerful barrier in place, El Paso is one of our safest cities. I think that's a good idea. It's actually something he should have done long ago, is hold a rally at the the Texas border. So El Paso it is. Trump's going to hook it up, hook it up. And, uh, you know, maybe, just maybe, they should have a deal where they actually hold the rally right at the border with immigrants, like a caravan on the other side. <laughs> Look, have a caravan on the other side of the wall looking in, watching Trump's speech. Nothing would be better than that. Seriously, they should do that. 
What else we got going on? Oh, saw a report that the Mueller report, a report about a report that uh, one Republican senator expects to have that report within a month and insists that Congress and the public should see it. Now, this Republican is Chuck Grassley. He said yesterday that he thinks the Mueller report's going to be finished within a month. He's not sure if Congress will see it, but he wants to force the Justice Department to be transparent. Uh, Acting Attorney General Matt Whitaker issued his first comments on the Russia investigation last week. He said the probe is, I think, close to being completed, as you recall. And uh, William Barr, who is the nominee for the permanent AG, told senators last month that he wants to see as much of the report released as possible. Now, it's going to be interesting because we know if there was something damaging about Trump or Trump Jr. or anybody else that's in the president's direct circle, that that information would have been leaked out already, but it hasn't been. So my thought is, does the Mueller team even want the report to be public? Will the Democrats set up a situation where they pretend like they want it released, they try to paint Donald Trump as not wanting it released, and they don't release it, and they can say, look, he's still hiding something. Even though the report exonerates him, as long as the report is unknown to the public, they can continue the narrative of something nefarious has happened. Even when the reports were released and nobody's indicted or arrested or anything like that. They can keep that cloud over the president's head heading into 2020 and say, he doesn't want you to see the report. That's obviously... There's obviously a reason for that. There's damaging information. He's trying to hide it from you. That's what they'll do. They're they're very the the Democrats are so frigging predictable. So predictable. So expect that to happen. Expect that to be the next move on the Democrats' part. What else we got? Um, let's see. We'll, uh, we'll get into some of this stuff when we get back on the other side. Also going to try to get Jeff Poor in here. I want to get his, uh, analysis on the State of the Union speech. What all went down last night. But he's a busy man, so who knows if we'll, uh, actually get in touch with him. Again, over to lineshow.com. Sign up for the newsletter. Hook it up. Stay informed, stay in touch. We'll come back on the other side with more of this edition of Over the Line. I wish I would have met you.
hanging out with you post state of the union speech did y'all like my picture yesterday of weekend at uh, ginsburg's ruth bader ginsburg and her lifeless body by the way she was not at state of the union speech last night and i haven't seen her i don't know about you guys but everybody keeps telling me she's kicked the bucket but there's reports that she's out there so take it for what it's worth we got my man Jeff Poor on the uh, on the line. Jeff Poor, famous radio show host, famous writer, and just all around good guy. Jeff, how are you today, buddy? Doing well, Andrew. Thanks for having me on. Man, what do you what did you think of the speech? And I know you're a mild mannered guy, so you don't get excited about Trump stuff quite like I do. But once the speech was over last night, what did you think? to yourself i thought it was as good as he he probably did as well as he could given the circumstances uh i, I thought he could have gone one of two ways he could have got very aggressive and really fired up the base started some direction or he could have tried to take the high road it looks to me like he took the high road 
but he made it all. He made it a hard speech not to like by having all the guests in the in the, in the gallery, up in the balcony. So, uh, yeah, I mean, my takeaway is I, I think he he did as well as a Donald Trump could do if you, in that sort of environment, I suppose. Yeah. Well, uh, the guests actually, uh, honestly, if you look at the guests that he brought, and we talked about them on the show yesterday, uh, and kind of broke down each one's story. Uh, I don't know that he could have brought a better lineup of, of guests. I mean, you know, it's a far cry from bringing Bill Clinton's rape accusers to a, a, a debate. Uh, but those all those stories really epitomized the American spirit, I feel like. Instead of that stuff being politically expedient and being something where he can just bolster, bolster himself or... Uh, use them in a way where Democrats can't cheer against him or, you know, uh, demean him for that. I think it was more of showing a picture of America that so many people across this country, uh, what they have within them. Again, the American spirit, the American dream. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, and these speeches have become really political lately. So he had to do the politics, but he was able to intersperse that with it to make it not as, uh, I guess, not as toxic or not as, uh, make it harder for Democrats to boo, make it harder for them to jeer. And, uh, you know, that, I, that, that was probably the game plan from the get-go, if I had to guess. Yeah. Well, what about the moments where uh, Democrats seem to almost be treating Donald Trump as a normal human being, where they cheered uh, during a series of, of, of comments or series of lines during the speech where he talked about unemployment for women, the amount of women in Congress. Now, what did you take away from that? I mean, it's almost like a setup. He kind of forced, he knew, here's what I think was going on just more broadly that he knew he was going to have to force Democrats to stand up and cheer for some stuff. Almost like he kind of smoked them out a little. What do you think about the socialism comments? Uh, you know, you maybe I mean that 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 is kind of a dividing line, a fork in the road for the Democratic Party today. I think a lot of the feel good stuff though was really kind of uh, table setting stuff, right? And see what kind of reaction you got to get, see if you got to get a good response from from the crowd uh, on the Democratic side, and then 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 go from there. And kind of position it to make the Democrats kind of pick and choose what they what they stand for. Well, you said something interesting about the socialism line and how that's kind of a dividing issue for for Democrats. Do you think he knew that, and that's why, or the speechwriters knew that, and that's why they put it in there? They say we'll throw out how socialism is a bad thing, and this country's not going to be a socialist country, and we'll watch half the Democrats cheer for that, and half of them sulk. I do. I do think that's a part of it. The, the Democratic Party has got to make a decision. I think this 2020 presidential election uh, cycle with the, the primaries is going to be all about, are they a, are, are they still believing in the American dream or is it, is it, are we going down a European socialism type path that that seems to be, that seems to be the hot ticket right now in, in, in Democratic politics with, with Ocasio-Cortez. Bernie Sanders did really well. A guy like Bernie Sanders isn't supposed to do well in in, uh, in American politics. He's an outlier. He'll do well in Vermont, but he did well nationally. He gave Hillary a bigger run for money than she should have ever had, and that seems to be this prevailing sentiment that socialism is 
maybe it's a maybe it's a possibility. Maybe it's a good option. And I think Donald Trump recognizes that. And that was something he needed to to bring up in that speech last night. Well, one more question regarding the State of the Union on a scale of one to ten. How do you rate the Klan outfits that the Democrats wore last night? Uh, <laughs> it's just it, 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 to me, it's just kind of spooky, almost, right? <laughs> I, like I, I, I was just thinking, Handmaid's Tale or or something. To, to just all in white, sitting there, all the people around them are standing up cheering, and they just look humorless, expressionless, and there's something really just. There's something really weird about it. I can't imagine the optics are that great for uh, for Democrats. To me, it just looks the Democrats seem to be bad at optics. They're good at messaging, but bad at optics. You were thinking about Stacey Abrams' speech last night and the backdrop she had. Those are bad optics, and I don't know. Like I don't get why they're not that they don't think these things through a little bit better and how they look on television and not just in their mind or on paper. Yeah, they. Uh... <laughs> If you go back and look at Stacey Abrams, she was dressed like the Handmaid's Tale for sure. But yeah, it it seems like with the Ralph Northam stuff going on that it would just be a bad idea to wear all white. Because you think about the way the Democrat or just the, the, the liberal movement, the progressive movement is, everything is about symbolism. Everything, every little thing that is meant to be innocent is offensive in some sort of way, whether it's pronouns or cultural appropriation during Halloween or any of this stuff. So if 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 Republicans would have worn all white to 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 the State of the Union, they would have pulled the exact same thing, and they would have said, "Look, they're trying to dress like the Klan because everything is symbolism for them." But I don't yeah. understand why they don't why they all of a sudden don't get that. Is their desire to protest? Uh, is it overwhelm their their consciousness of, of of being offended? I don't know. It also seems a little group thinky, you know, like the the, the 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 kids that wear the uniforms or something. It just it's it it doesn't it's not going to resonate with people. We're we're a society that's very superficial. I said on your show before that people look and how things make them feel, and to see these women all together with just this this horrified just mortified look on their faces during this speech wearing all white being the outliers being the weirdos in the whole in the gallery there that i i I, you know maybe i'm wrong maybe there's some people out there that are yeah look at them they're standing up they're they're solidarity they're unified but i can't imagine that most americans didn't look at that and said, what, what, what's, what's, what's going on there? What's that? What's that all about? That's weird as hell. Right. No doubt. Um, all right. Outside of the state of the union, you mentioned 2020. So this is something I haven't brought up yet, but let's talk about the news that dropped from the Washington post just before the state of the union. Uh, you know, n- no surprise that it was uh, released at that time because they want it to be buried. But this, this registration uh, by Elizabeth Warren back in, I don't have the date in front of me, I guess it was the 80s maybe, or the 70s? 70s, right. Yeah, 77, I think, where uh, she listed herself as Native American. What did you take from that? Uh, that was pretty much the, the nail in the coffin for her presidential aspirations. Look, she, she hasn't really put this away. This has been haunting her since she ran for Senate. Uh I guess Scott Brown, 
Scott Brown's Zoppo team dug this up, and, and I, I think it's been going around for a long time. She has not put this to rest. There's no reason that five, six, seven years later, we're that we need to be still talking about her a Native American heritage, and just how thin it is. And I, I the the more the more and more embarrassment she has on these with these these things tied to her use of Native American as an ethnicity, just the worst it's going to get for her. I think her presidential aspirations are shot. I didn't think they were that good to begin with. I think she missed her window. She was the it girl like. In the, in the 2011 or so, but uh, she's it, it's 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 over for her. She needs to have a nice career in the Senate. She could probably be alive for Massachusetts, uh, but she her presidential aspirations are done. Well, and and th- I understand the reason for putting it out there because they probably watched the Northam stuff go down and think, well, they tried so hard to suppress that yearbook and it finally got out. If I'm going to run for president, this this little card is going to get out as well. So we might as well put it out at the at the one time that it's going to get buried in the news and uh, maybe people will forget about it by the time we start getting to, to primaries and caucuses. But you I, say I it's not, not going to happen. I, I just... I disagree with that. I, I think if, if she was viable, let's say it was Kamala Harris and Elizabeth Warren going into the final stretch in 2020, then maybe you hold on to it and you save it for later, then you drop it. Right. Uh, I, I just she's there's probably more out there where she does this, where she's done these things, and uh, the the field's so crowded, every little bit counts. Everything's on the margins, and uh, he's. This is just putting her back another point or two, another point or two, when there's not that many points to go around in a crowded field, and you know you can't make it past Iowa or New Hampshire. I don't. I think this. I think her best shot is to do well in New Hampshire because it's about her state's backyard there. And I, I you know, I think people are going to look at it and be like, I, I think we're going to take a pass on you and go with this this other person. <laughs> right. Well, and it's also uh, it's also <laughs> kind of sad because. I think there's a lot of us that deep down inside we wanted to see her win the uh, the primaries and be the Democrat nominee. Because could you imagine a uh, little squeaky, quiet Elizabeth Warren on stage with Donald Trump at a debate? And then Donald no, Trump's like, uh, he comes in wearing a headdress? <laughs> well, I, I think there's going to be uh, similar opportunities with this other cast of characters because they, they, have, their, they have their own... Uh, their own shortcomings. Uh, obviously, Kamala Harris. I think the Willie Brown affair will come up. I, you know, you and Biden. He said some dumb stuff about needing a slight need access to access to work at a Dunkin' Donuts or whatever. What, what, what was it? You know, like they're all gonna all these candidates that are the front runners right now. All have their vulnerabilities and for for Trump to exploit. So you think it's gonna be. Mm. It's going to be easy pickings for Trump, whoever he goes up against, to slam him for a plethora of things. Yeah, I, and, and that's not to say that one of these candidates that couldn't be a, a, a potential vice presidential candidate. But uh, no, I think uh, I think he'll he'll have a plenty of uh, he'll have plenty of bullets to fire, depending on who the uh, the ultimate candidate is. Right. All right. Well, it's interesting because even on the front page of Drudge Report, that uh, that Texas bar registration, uh, it's not 
it's not even on there as a, as a news story. And I don't know if they just got tired of it and moved on to something else. But uh, it seems to be hidden pretty well. But I think I'm with you on the front that it's it's going to come back to Haunter, even if it's not in the news cycle for the next few days or weeks. It'll be back, and she may be done. All right, last thing before you get out of here, Jeff. Uh, is Ruth Bader Ginsburg still alive? I think she's still alive. Uh, I don't give it very much longer. Trump's presidency. I mean, these things, what she had, uh, it's really hard to overcome. Uh, if this were a Republican justice, I tell you what would be happening. If it, and he was MIA, they, that would be the, the, the top of the news. Like, why, why, where is he? Why? Well, he needs to resign if he can't fulfill his duties on the court. Right. She's Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She's the cult figure. She has the cult following, and she will, uh, I think she's uh I, I think she's getting a pass here. No, oh, there's no doubt about it. She's I mean she not only is she not getting criticized for not being there and being ineffective at her job, she's getting uh, specials on TV, documentaries coming out in the theaters, all this kind of stuff. And uh it just it, it just highlights the hypocrisy of the media. There's no doubt about it. Jeff, uh I appreciate it as always, man. Tell everybody real quick how they can uh listen to you on the airwaves. You can go to WVNN.com, 2 to 5 uh, p.m. Central Time. Uh, that's Monday through Friday. It's also on the iHeartRadio app. It's also on the TuneIn Radio app. I know you've got a lot of guests on your show on a regular basis. You've to three or four guests. Who is, uh, who's the heaviest hitter you've had on in this short time that uh, you've we been had, on? Uh, we had Laura Trump yesterday, the, the, the wife of uh, uh, second son, Eric Trump, come on. Uh, we've had some others. We've had everybody in the Alabama congressional delegation except for Doug Jones, Rick Shelby, and Terry Sewell. We'll soon be getting Doug Jones, I think, next week, and uh, we're going to work on the other two. Uh, Roy Morris come on once. So we've had some big hits. Uh, listen, today we'll have uh, everybody's Alabama's favorite liberal, Josh Boone, on the show from uh, Alabama Political Reporter. So uh, try to mix it up. Try to keep it a little diverse. Don't want to go... I don't want to go too too far Democrat, but I, I do like hearing what these guys have to say. It's, mm. it's, it's interesting sometimes. Josh Moon, what an idiot. Anyway, all right, Jeff. Be thanks, nice. buddy. <laughs> thanks, buddy. I appreciate it as right, always. Man, thanks for having me on. I'll be talking to you soon, man. There you all go. Right, take it easy. Your man, Jeff Poor from uh, Breitbart, Yellowhammer, WVNN. Uh, I really had no idea that he had uh, Laura Trump on the show. That's uh, That's pretty big. That's pretty big time. Y'all make sure y'all listen to his show, WVNN.com. Uh, he is on there. That's uh, Some of you guys, a lot of you guys in North Alabama, y'all can pick that up. That's right in your neck of the woods. So uh, 92.5, I think. Is that right? Try 92.5. Listen to my man, Jeff Poor. He wants me to come up there and be on the air with him one day, so I'm going to try to... Uh, pick a day where I can make a day trip up to Athens, Alabama, and uh, hang out with my man for a bit. It'll be fun. I'll have a good time. It'll be a good time. Uh, I reckon we're going to get out of here, y'all. That's a wrap for today. There's so much to talk about and not enough time to do it. Uh, Elizabeth Warren did respond to the revelation she listed herself as an American Indian for the Texas bar. 
And you want to know what she said? She simply said, I can't go back. <laughs> she said, I can't go back. But I'm sorry for furthering confusion on tribal sovereignty and tribal citizenship and harm that resulted. Here's the thing. The Warren camp put that Texas bar registration card, gave it to the Washington Post. They put it out there. Right as the State of the Union was getting kicked off so people would forget about it. But as you heard Jeff say, uh, that's going to be too little too late because if you make any sort of waves in a presidential run, people will just drag that thing right back out. And they'll say, hey, remember this puppy right here? Remember this? Saying you didn't further your career by claiming you were Native American, American Indian? Oh, it's just so beautiful. It's so beautiful. And Trump is the one that caught heat for calling her Pocahontas. Imagine that. Overthelineshow.com. Don't forget to sign up for the newsletter. I know I tell you all the time, but it's very important that you do so. Also, listen to this show on any of your favorite podcast apps. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, iTunes, whatever. We're all over the place. So hit it up. Hook it up, hook it up, hook it up. We'll be back tomorrow with a brand new episode and plenty more to talk about. Y'all have a fantastic day. And until next time, see you, cuz.